good morning, everyone. We'll get our speakers on here with Ann and Josh, if you guys want to jump on. I think we're live. Matt, are we live? <laughs> yep, we are live. Thank you. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Mornings with Marit. Um, it's, it's funny to look back, or if not funny, whatever, interesting to look back over the last year and realize that last year at this time we were cranking out um, webinars and, and podcasts to talk about how do you re work remotely? How do you keep your team engaged? How do you de deal with that? And a year later, a lot of people are still at home. Um, many of us are back in the office, at least in a blended fashion, and some like Cindy and Lee <laughs> never really left. They went home for a week and decided they couldn't handle it. <laughs> so they've been at the office the entire time. So thanks for joining us today. We're actually going to look back and think about what we've learned and how we've grown as organizations and individuals through the process of um, COVID-19. So just a, a new outlook on what it is that we're doing. If you haven't joined our Facebook page, I hope you will. We tend to do a little bit of conversation there and get feedback and ideas from folks. So please uh, please join us there and jump on our Mornings with Marit page um, there. So today we have with us two great um, friends that I would consider and colleagues. Ann Price has joined us before, and of course she's a labor attorney that we use here at IIT. Um, and she's been a great um, resource for us. And many of you heard her presentation last year when she joined us. So thank you, Ann, for joining us to talk about um, sort of the do's and don'ts and the laws that we need to pay attention to so that we don't do the wrong thing with our employees. My pleasure, thank you for having me. You bet, you bet. And then we have Josh, Andrew, Jack. Um, Josh is in Wichita, Falls, is that correct, Josh? You got it. All right. And Josh is on our board of directors. He's the president of Bully Featherston. So Josh, thanks for joining us. And he's going to share what his agency has done. And we'll have a little bit of a conversation of what other techniques people are using and so forth. So Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mara. Happy to be here. Awesome. And I always like it. I'm a quick start, as you might know. Josh is too. So, you know, as you can imagine, Last minute is what we, we do our things best, right, Josh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I either do it right now or at the very last possible minute. And uh, I've, I've, got right. a, I've got a wife and I've got a, a couple of employees who uh, get frustrated with me from time to time because of that. Well, I um, resemble that remark is what I'll say. So <laughs> in getting prepared for you, you will appreciate this. This weekend, I actually started to prepare well in advance for this presentation. I did a whole bunch of homework, copied and pasted a bunch of stuff into a document and then forgot to save the document and closed it. So that, that was fun doing a little bit of research and having to go back and redo. But in my research, what I found is, interestingly enough, um, the word crisis actually in, in Chinese symbols is are two symbols and they reference danger and opportunity, which I think is fascinating when you think about organizations when we deal with a crisis, how you tackle it, how you deal with it. Um, it does create danger, but then there's great opportunity that can come out of it as well. And I think it's all about a mindset. So one of the things that's interesting about this piece is that there's actually, um, we believe, and it talks about executives agree that innovating um, is really a key piece to, to life right now. And being in a position where you say, we fundamentally believe that business will change over the next five years based on what's happened. I think we probably all could agree with that right now that we see things changing, whether it's 
the customer experience or it's how we deal with our employees. You know, one of the things I read about is how critical um, what's happened with agencies right now and firms is that we've created really more trust-based cultures over the last year. I mean, I have some staff that would have said a year ago, there's no way I would trust my people to work from home. And now it's like, well, why would I've never done that before? Because it works. And it's really about obviously having high performers. Um, but interestingly enough, although people believe, executives believe that business will change fundamentally, only about 20% believe they actually have the expertise and resources and commitment to pursue new growth successfully. Um, and so that to me is an interesting challenge to think about what are we doing? How do we look at things? How do we evolve? And we'll talk about some techniques for doing that to make you think outside the box in a creative way that you might not have thought before. Um, interestingly enough, that when they look at innovation and these dark um, bars that you're seeing across the screen are what pre-crisis normal innovation was happening in, in organizations. You can see over here in financial services and so forth, pre-crisis, there was a lot of innovation going on. 50% of, of, of executives were actually handling innovation, whereas that light blue bar shows such a huge drop. So really only pharma and medical products have increased their focus on innovation during COVID. And so I think that's a good reminder of, hey, let's come out of this phase. Let's start thinking about innovation and so forth. Because interestingly enough, when they go back and look at history, um, the companies that invested in innovation through a crisis outperform their peers during, after, during and after recovery. So this you can see back in the recession, um, 2008, 2009, what folks did, the, those that were innovators are outperforming almost by 30% in post-crisis years. So it's, it is a good reminder of what do we do? How do we make sure that we're thinking differently, taking on opportunities and so forth, and really being able to invest and grow in that regard? So one of the things that, that we talk about is there's eight essentials of innovation um, that serve as important guideposts for navigating COVID-19 crisis. So it's about aspirations. It's about what you choose to do. It's about discovering what you can do in your marketplace and, and turning those into value propositions. It's really looking at evolving. So right now it's more about discover and evolve for us um, and really taking the time with your employees and your customers to figure out what are our customers' challenges and focus on strategic planning and innovation right now as you continue to think about growing. I will say that agencies that, which I've worked with a lot of them this last year, that took the time during COVID to actually do strategic planning um, are actually in a really great growth mode as opposed to those who might've said, well, now's not a good time. We're not sure if we should accelerate. We don't know what the future will look like. And that has actually um, been an interesting piece of conversation. So getting yourselves to a point that you can scale, you know, one of the questions they ask is, um, Think about the constraints that you have as a firm and think about, well, if we didn't have them, how would we behave and what would we do? And try and get those um, obstacles out of the way and think differently. And then the last piece is mobilize. You know, are your people motivated, rewarded, and organized to innovate repeatedly? And so today we're going to talk about ways that we have innovated and where are we headed in the future. And I think it's a great opportunity to reinvent ourselves. 
So some of the things that we've seen just at a high level before we start talking to you, with you, Josh, is we have actually seen um, sales change. As you, as you all know, you used to be on you know, bricks and mortar, go and see people, and now it's suddenly all online. And you know, I think people are wondering, what do we really need in a sales force? And uh, I think the use of social media, you know, those organizations that are really using LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for their connections and researching people and posting are doing a much better job of connecting than those that aren't, so, so to speak. So very interesting what people are doing on the sales force. Um, obviously, customer behavior has changed quite a bit, right? So, you know, it's interesting. I think last year we were talking about how in the first three months of COVID, you know, the adoption of technology was like a five-year hit. I mean, it was like it happened instantaneously, how we dealt with customers, how we dealt with each other, stuff that we would have resisted before was now talk about a burning platform. We have to adopt it. We have to use it. I think I read something this week where they said Zoom is now referred to as the new Kleenex in offices for technology, which I thought that was kind of a cute term that they said. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is that there's an influx of competitors. Geography is no longer an issue where it's, we used to maybe say, well, you know, I'm not sure if I should go into that region. Now it's maybe irrelevant whether you're located in that region or not. And of course, we think about workforce is as well. So, you know, I, I know several agencies that had employees move away prior to COVID. They might have said, well, I'm sorry, you have to go. Good luck with your finding a new job. Now it's like, well, of course you're going to stay working with us. Why wouldn't you? Um, it also opens up opportunities. And many of you might be thinking, well, I used to only be able to hire in my region. Now you can hire in any marketplace that you want as long as you have the technology and the tools to engage. So those are just uh, some specific examples that we have. Um, and one of the things that I've found probably um, most interesting is how there's a much greater focus on well-being from employers than there used to be. I mean, we really, I think there's a much more caring attitude about, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Please stay home when you're sick, as opposed to this, this sense of, well, I need to be in the office if I'm, even though I may not feel 100% great. So I think there's some kindness that's happened and forgiveness through COVID that employers have adopted, the ones that I think are being specifically successful. So I'm going to flip off this slideshow, and Josh, we're just going to have a little bit of a conversation here. I probably shouldn't do this. I'll do it, and then I won't know how to bring it back. So. <laughs> Shouldn't mess with stuff that works, right? All right. Matt, did that work? Can you see us? Yes, I can see all three of you, but not the presentation. Okay, perfect. All right, so everybody smile big. <laughs> all right, so Josh, let's talk a little bit about um, what, maybe on a more personal basis first, what are some personal habits or practices that look different today than they were maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago for you? Yeah, so first and foremost, let me say happy Masters Thursday to you, Mara, and to Ann and everyone listening. It's a big day, uh, at least in my world. Uh, and I did, uh, I was kind enough, I've got my TV on over here to my left, and I was kind enough to turn the volume down, uh, at least before we got started. But, well, I can imagine if Lee's on this call, he's still watching it. So he's yeah, just yeah, yeah, putting right, a, yeah. put a thing and not really paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, he may have the call muted actually and, and be listening to the master, but 
You know, I, I think, Marit, I, I think I have learned to be much more considerate of the feelings, um, the attitudes, um, the, the way other people see the world and what's going on uh, over the last year. You know, um, an example I thought about is I've had COVID. I'm fully vaccinated. And you know what? I'm confident going anywhere and everywhere without a mask on. Right. Um, but but I might be in a venue where people don't have that confidence and, and level of comfort. And you know what? It's OK to wear a mask. Anyway, it, it doesn't affect me. Um, and, and if it makes someone else feel much more confident and comfortable uh, in that situation, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, another thing I think personally, too, family is a big priority to me. And during the shutdown, when everything was closed, um, it became kind of that on steroids and it was everything family. And my wife, Amy, and I have really tried to hang on to that as the world has opened back up a little bit uh, just to make that family time a big priority. And I think that's probably the two primary changes I've seen uh, in my personal life anyway. So I'll just let everybody know if you go follow um, Josh on Facebook, he has the coolest videos of his kids doing great things that so if you want to be entertained ever um, you can go check that out you know it's funny Josh the, for me the, the main, main piece that's changed for me and my own habits is you know I used to be one of those people that would get up in the morning wake up at the last possible minute rush and get out the door that, that was always me and now when I get up in the morning I have a cup of coffee I get my computer out I kind of get things rolling and so the idea of getting up and running running out in the morning is actually irritating and I've been like that since my whole life and I think you know it wouldn't have changed if it only been two or three months but a whole year of that kind of activity really changes mm -hmm. our practices so now I'll, I'll get up have coffee work for an hour or two and then get ready for stuff or head out the door and I love that pace um, even though I'm sitting there working at 7 a.m. it doesn't it's still a relaxing sort of start to the day rather than rushing like crazy. So let's talk a little bit about your employee practices, um, improvements mm -hmm. maybe that you found in your culture over the last year and being purposeful about that. Yeah, you know, when I started at Bully Featherston, our agency's been open almost 100 years now, and I started in 2008 at Bully Featherston, and we really had a very individualistic culture, and I think that was common to a lot of insurance agencies in a previous generation. And we have, we have fought and battled to become a team environment uh, over the last decade or so. And COVID and the shutdown and, and everyone going home um, really propelled us to a new level as we develop our team. And, um, and, and as I've talked to some of our staff, what we found is that more so than ever, because everyone needed help, right? So, so we're working at home. We've never done that before on a full scale and, and large basis. And more than ever, we've become a team of people that work for the name on the front of the building, uh, much more so than for our own work. And, and our, our team-driven culture has really taken off um, because of COVID. You know, I'd also say we've become much more open to this hybrid type work environment. And some people, we're, we are fully uh, back in the office here in Wichita Falls and at Bully Featherston. But we have some people that have wanted to do the work from home sometimes and work from the office sometimes. 
Uh, frankly, we had some people that hated uh, working at home and they got back to the office full time as quickly as they could. Uh, but we're much more open to that than maybe uh, we had been in the past. And, and that's probably going to create some opportunities for us. I think you hit on this earlier, Marit, being in Wichita Falls, we're a um, military community with Shepherd Air Force Base here. And uh, it's going to make us more receptive to that ability to hire a military spouse uh, who might only be in Wichita Falls for three or four years. But if they're a rock star, it creates the ability. We know how to do it now, right? We're, we're good at someone working off site. So now we have the ability to retain that great employee uh, and be a part of our team, no matter where in literally in the world uh, they end up moving when they leave Wichita Falls. So we're, uh, we're really excited about that. And then the third, some of our team members really love this and, and some people tolerate it, but I wanted to stay in front of everyone during the shutdown. And the only way I knew how to do that, to talk to everyone at the same time and get a message, I started sending video messages uh, to our team all the time, constantly at the start of the shutdown. So I still do that. I, I send out these messages and it's funny, it's silly. And you talked about my kids. Sometimes my kids are in those uh, little messages that we send out, but it's just a way to continue to connect and really be real uh, with our team. And, and we're going to continue that for the long term. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we, um, I would say in some ways our staff has gotten closer. We've been, because we've been more purposeful about communication. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. One of the things that we're doing right now, and we'll be doing it in May, I do it with my leadership team just to kind of get us reconnected. If you don't do book clubs with your agency and your staff, it's a great way to connect on a more philosophical basis and values basis rather than talking about work and production and the activities. So, you know, I'm working with a few agencies right now where once a week they do a chapter a week, they get their staff on there for 30 or 45 minutes, talk about the concepts. Um, I actually, I, I'm reading a new book right now called The Advantage. It's Patrick Lincioni. Um, it says why organizational health trumps everything else in business. And I think that's a good reminder for us as we go is how do you take care of the culture in your organization, keep it healthy, and then business will grow. Um, great. And for us, when we think about blended work environments, you know, it's funny, Josh, you mentioned, you know, if somebody leaves and the military spouse, I, nowadays you'd never even consider, well, that person would have to leave your employment. But, but we would have thought that before. It'd be like, well, I'm not sure. Um, so you're right. When you have a rock star, you don't, you know, let them go. You just continue to be part of the team. Let's talk a little bit about customer experience. Is that what have you done differently with your customers that you'll continue to maintain? You know, as I think back to February, March or so of last year, when I thought of uh, the word Zoom, um, I, I think what I considered what that's my kids, you know, running around acting like an airplane or a race car or something. And so um, I'm going to hit on as we work through the next few minutes, I'm going to talk, talk about Zoom and, and, and uh, live video sessions like this quite a bit and, and things we've done uh, in our agency. Um, but but Zoom is one, the ability to get in front of your customer and see each other. Uh, face to face, uh, literally at the drop of a hat, right? And so maybe it's FaceTime, maybe it's you go to meeting Zoom, whatever it is. It it makes the customer feel 
uh, just much more uh, comfortable that you're real and that you're a person and you're willing to take the time to see them. Um, and, and it's just another hook you can get into your customer that, hey, look, they're living life like me and they want to see me and they want to take time for me, even if it's an, an environment or time uh, where you can't drive 150 miles to see that customer. Uh, it's been a game changer for us. And you know, then, Mart, as you and I started to talk about some of the things we were going to discuss today, I, I discussed some of these things with our team members and empathy was a word that came up over and over as well. And so what our team members would say is that because of our experience in COVID, um, the, the empathy we have toward uh, our clients has increased significantly. No matter what challenge or situation situation we're facing, we think that we, we, we just love on our customers better now uh, than maybe we did a year ago, just because worldwide we, we think different about people and their challenges and their problems we're, that they're facing. And uh, so just kind of as a whole, we feel like we're reaching our customers better uh, than we did a year ago. Great, good. Um, how, how, how would you say your business has benefited from COVID? I know that's a horrible way to say it, but again, it goes back to that danger and opportunity. And, you know, I think the agencies that are really thriving are the ones that have found those silver linings and figured out how to um, leverage certain things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have a brother-in-law who lives uh, in China, about 200 miles from, from Wuhan. And so when they started having this, this mass outbreak of a virus around the first, you know, end of uh, 2019, start of 2020, we'd be FaceTiming with him. And, you know, it, it never hit me that this is coming here. This is going to be a worldwide pandemic. And I, I, we just didn't see it. And then we get into February and March and this is real. This is happening. And the NCAA tournament gets canceled. And one of the first things I sent out uh, to our team members was, all right, look, this is real. We're, we're going home. And I said, we can do, you know, there, there's really three ways we can respond to this. One, we can put our head in the ground and, and, we're, and ignore it. And we're going to struggle because of that. I said, two, we can uh, it, it, listen to this. And my, I, if I go back and I sent you the email, it says we can fight through the next 90 days and then get back to doing work just like we always had. Little did I know we'd be having this conversation a year later. Uh, but three, I told them, I said, or we can see this as an opportunity to grow and develop ourselves as a team and to serve our clients better and and to become uh, just a more well-rounded agency. And so that's really what we sought uh, to do as we navigated what I thought was going to be 90 days, but just kind of kept on going. And so I'll come back to Zoom again. Zoom has been a game changer in our agency. So first of all, uh, while everyone was full time at home, we're having uh, you know regular departmental meetings on Zoom, so we all get to continue to see each other and can stay abreast as to what we're you know what we're working on, who's having a challenge, and uh, you know better ideas. No one had worked from home before, right? And so you know people could present a struggle that they're having, and and you hit on this a little while ago, Mar, and everyone just seemed to get a little closer uh, during that time. Another one is our weekly sales meetings that we have. You know, historically, our sales meeting is Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. And producers were expected to be in town, in the office, ready to go at 8 a.m. for our weekly sales meeting. We don't have to do that anymore, right? And so 
A producer can be on the road, uh, ready to go see clients. I mean, truly sitting in a, a prospect's parking lot. I mean, really. Uh, and we can have our sales meeting no matter where the producer is. And so we're much more efficient uh, because of that uh, you know, adoption of technology. We're also pre-qualifying accounts on Zoom these days. And so, you know, our, our agency, we, we we might call on an account and, and we like to walk away, honestly, from half of the pros potential prospects we call on. Well, we can pre-qualify pre those accounts uh, during a Zoom meeting and then not spend that time or investment uh, driving to wherever that account might be. Uh, another is mail processing. You know, we were historically, you know, we had somebody to walk through the building and hand everyone their mail and they would scan it individually, right? Well, once everyone was at home, we, you couldn't grab your mail every day. And so uh, we have one employee who's now responsible for uh, barcoding and scanning all mail and it hits everyone's inbox. And we're, we're much more efficient in operating our mornings uh, and our processing of mail every day. Um, you know, as, as we've adopted technology, we've, we've just opened a new office 200 miles from here. And we're, you know, our game plan and how we're going to grow that location is uh, the service staff will stay right here in Wichita Falls. We, we don't think that we're going to have to start investing in new service staff elsewhere. We can continue to do that right here in Wichita Falls because of how we have uh, developed and adapted to technology. And, uh, I, honestly, I could I could keep going on that subject. We we have just we have it's thought to be so aggressive in how we get better because of the challenge that we faced, and that's maybe a few of the high points there. Great, good. Well, as you know, with the association, right before COVID, um, the board approved substantial dollars for technology overhaul for us. Um, and, and I'll say, I think the only reason we probably got the project done on time and in budget is our resources got to shift. Instead of doing conferences and things like that, we were able to really grind it out. And we actually changed seven different platforms for ourselves this last year. You know, it's interesting. I was going to comment that one of the things that we can remove as part of our employee policies is inclement weather um, policies because you can stay home and work until the great um, crisis that we just had and then you didn't have power. So that was a different issue altogether. I thought, we don't need to have snow days anymore. Well, did we learn what that looked like at the end of the day? Good, so um, two quick more questions and then we'll um, we'll move over to some of the legal stuff that Ann's gonna share with us. What, what are some things that you see changing and coming forward when you look out ahead? Yeah. I think the pace of business, you know, we, we've talked about the last decade, the pace of business has gotten faster and faster. What's happened over the last year, and as we've learned as an industry, the things we can do maybe in a more digital and remote environment and not being face-to-face, -face, I think the pace of business is going to just exponentially increase its speed over the next few years. and. I, I can't encourage agencies enough to study and adopt technology that will enable you to keep up with the pace of business. You know, we, we've uh, done some things, uh, you know, we've talked about Zoom, um, but, but we've invested in some technology that allows us to have a total and complete uh, digital renewal process now with all of our clients. Um, again, because things just have to happen so much quicker now than they did in the past. And 
Uh, and so we're continuing to research that technology that, technology that uh, will allow you to operate faster and faster uh, is absolutely key. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have on that one. I think that's a good one. I think that's, that's totally fair. Um, you know, I also think, and we talk about culture all the time as an organization and in leadership, and I just think that the agencies that really build those strong cultures, cultivate them are the ones who are going to win because people will stay with them. And I think that there's going to be a, a greater war for talent mm. than there ever was. And people are mm. getting pickier, I think, too. You know, we don't tolerate lower performance anymore. It's like, okay, let's just, let's move forward on this and let's get things going. So. I think that that's yeah. going to be a piece. So anything that you regret you did? Any looking back, hindsight is 2020? <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we'll ever assume a one-size-fits-all approach to our team members ever again. You know, I, I, I and you talked a little bit about the inclement weather policy a little while ago. You know, historically, we've had a handbook, and the handbook is, you know, that that's the Bible, if you will. And uh, you, you do what it says, and everyone's needs are really different. You know, we, we learn, you know, parents who had kids who were home from school and parent, they're, they're teachers for the first time, right? The way we had to approach those team members versus uh, team members who went home and had the ability to sit in front of the computer and work all day uh, was really different. You know, everyone uh, and, and people would respond to working at home differently than, than others would. And. I think that's the biggest uh, thing we learned is we won't assume all employees are the same in, in the future. And, and I just come back to that loving on our employees, loving on our clients piece over and over. We talk about loving on clients all the time here. Um, but, but just love your employees and, and understand that they're people uh, and they have lives outside of what they do at work and, and work to create and foster an environment in which each individual team member can thrive and succeed and you know that kind of culture is what helps you really grow your firm great thank you very much for sharing that with us um, Absolutely. that's very helpful and I, I love that you have an email that says in 90 days we'll be back so that that's a fun one <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going to try and flip back over to the slides and we're going to move over to Ann. So I know you've been very patient and waiting on us there. And um, Ann's going to talk us very, through some do's and don'ts. Very don'ts. interesting. Thank you. Yeah, good, good. So uh, I'm going to talk today about the, the next phase of, you know, employment law concerns regarding COVID. You know, we had all the, the issues about going home and then coming back, you know, to some extent after the, you know, stay-at-home orders were lifted and various issues about quarantining and um, masking and protective measures to take. And now we need to, to focus on how we're going to deal with the vaccine, whether or not, primarily whether or not we're going to require it. And so as you think about this issue for your agencies and your employees, you'll need I thought, you know, it would be good to kind of draw your attention to, you know, what guideposts are you going to look toward in making your decisions? So you can think about that as the things you aspire to achieve, or you can think about it if you're a glass half empty kind of person, you know, the things that you worry about at night. So, of course, we've got we've got to um, be concerned about satisfying our customers. And of course, some of them might might 
insist that our employees be vaccinated if they're going to deal with them on an in-person basis. On the other hand, um, what if they would object to um, our business requiring all employees on a mandatory basis to be vaccinated? We also have to uh, be concerned with keeping our employees happy. Um, if they're happy, they tend to produce better. If they're unhappy, then we tend to see um, work-related problems and potentially legal issues arising out of those. And given um, life today, you know, there's a variety of perspectives on, you know, issues and um, COVID and the vaccine are not an exception to that. So we're going to have a range of opinions and preferences. Um, we may also have a legal obligation to uh, accommodate potentially protected reasons to refuse vaccination. So that that transitions us to the the, the goal and the need to comply with applicable laws. And some of the laws we'll focus on today are just plain old negligence. We'll talk about anti-discrimination and accommodation, and we'll talk about OSHA, wage and hour, and the good old National Labor Relations Act that many of you may not think applies to you. Um, but generally speaking, of course, you're all in the insurance business, so you know that negligence um, is falling below the standard of care. And this is the an issue that's going to concern um, mainly your um, your employees. Anti, I'm, I'm sorry, your third parties, um, your customers, your employees. If you have workers' comp. Um, negligence, you know, is, is not generally speaking a, a worry, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a minute. So what is the standard of care? Um, we look towards the CDC guidelines. We look toward the OSHA recommendations. We look to the local um, county, you know, orders, um, things like requiring masking or lifting the mask mandate. So there's a lot of conflict here, too, about what the applicable standard of care is. But my takeaway here is that if you fall below any of the standards of care, um, even if they're not a mandatory thing, like the CDC guidelines are not mandatory, but if you don't follow them, that is a door opening to the possibility of being accused of negligence if there's some bad outcome. You know, somebody gets COVID because, you know, you didn't do what CDC said you should do. Um, with respect to the anti-discrimination and accommodation requirements, um, generally speaking, the major laws require that you have at least 15 employees in order to be covered. So some of the smaller agencies might not need to worry about um, being sued, you know, if they don't comply fully with what the ADA or Title VII might require. But you still have the concern about making your employees happy, making your customers happy to think about. Um, with respect to OSHA, you only have to have one employee to be covered. Fair Labor Standards Act, you need to be sufficiently um, affecting interstate commerce, which most all of you would be, likewise with the NLRA. So we'll talk a little bit more um, as we go forward. Marek, could you? Switch yeah, we do have a quick question, if you don't mind. Sure. We've got somebody asking about Zoom burnout, um, and you know how how do you handle that kind of an accommodation when people are really burned out from being on screen all the time? 
I think that's that's um, unless there's some underlying medical condition that is um, causing a person to experience Zoom burnout, you know, at a greater rate than anyone else. I don't know that there's a legal requirement to accommodate that, um, but certainly as you know, keeping that lodestar of wanting to keep our employees happy, I think that's something that you should consider whether there's a workaround. Is it is it necessary for this person to be on Zoom? Could we allow them to shut their camera off and just, you know, participate um, um, with the audio? I mean, things like be creative. Is there a way that we can help, just like Josh said, you know, these these Employees are people, they have different sensibilities, they have different tolerances. How can we work um, together collaboratively to figure out a way that we're all satisfied? Great, thank you. Turning back to, to negligence, as I mentioned, you know, with your employees, if you have workers' comp, there's the exclusive remedy um, for, you know, work-related uh, injuries and illnesses. The issue about COVID that we talked about the last, um, March, you know, when we did the webinars, still not fully answered whether COVID is something that's covered under workers' comp. And the reason for that is that the definition of an occupational injury, illness, excuse me, excludes ordinary illnesses of life. And so it's not yet resolved whether COVID is an ordinary illness of life to which everyone is exposed regardless of work or um, if it is a covered occupational injury. So that's yet to be ironed out fully in the courts. Um, so my advice is, you know, assume you have a duty with respect to COVID and your employees not to be negligent. So that in turn um, counsels compliance with the CDC's guidance. With respect to vaccination, um, the CDC currently says even fully vaccinated persons, that is, you know, at least two weeks after their first, if it's J&J or second vaccine, if it's one of the others, um, persons should continue in public to do all the things, to mask and to social distance and to avoid crowds and poorly vaccinated spaces. So in a way, if you even if you require vaccination, that doesn't necessarily get you anywhere in terms of, of a relaxation in the requirements that employees should still follow in the workplace. One thing CDC does relax on a bit is the need to quarantine after exposure. Currently, their uh, guideline on quarantining after exposure is 14 days, um, unless you know certain other uh, criteria are satisfied, satisfied. But if you've been fully vaccinated, CDC says you don't need to worry about quarantining yourself for 14 days. Um, however, that may not um, yet be reflected in local orders that require masking and quarantining. And it's not yet in implemented by OSHA. OSHA's most recent um, um, guidance on COVID came out at the end of January of this year. And basically, it's not a citation. You can't be um, fined for not following all of these guidelines, but I think it does play into a negligence standard of care consideration. Um, but still, OSHA is, is requiring all the things, you know, the, the cleaning, 
the masking, the social distancing, the barriers, you know, having an individualized plan. Um, what we're waiting for is the next shoe to drop. Um, President Biden, by executive order, required OSHA to publish a, an emergency temporary standard by March 15th. It's now April 8th and we, we don't have it yet. Um, so I would, in anticipation of an OSHA temporary standard, I would advise employers not to change anything just yet because it's gonna be a whole lot harder to put the genie back into the bottle if you, you know, um, relax requirements in the workplace and people get used to it and they don't wanna wear their mask anymore and they don't wanna social distance anymore. Well, if we have an OSHA standard requiring that, you know, you are subject to um, being cited um, and paying a penalty um, if you don't cooperate. And so keeping your employees, I know they're getting tired of it, but keeping them doing all the things you know, can help you if OSHA does end up requiring mandatory um, masking, which also pulls into play a lot of, you know, questions about federalism, given, you know, Governor Abbott's lifting of the mask mandate. So there's a lot of legal nerd questions to, to think about here, but as a practical matter, you know, my advice is kind of stay with doing all the things. With respect to Title VII, which is um, comes into play for um, religion and um, its amendment, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act, we need to think about um, the possibility of accommodation and also the regulations for those of you who are covered by the ADA. There are restrictions on requiring employees to have medical exams and asking employees medical questions. Well, the, the EEOC, which is the agency that administers Title VII and the ADA, came out to say that employers, empl you can go ahead and do the next one, Marit. Um, the EEOC says, yes, employers can mandate vaccination, subject to a duty, oh, oops, can you Sorry. go back to, okay. I got yeah. button happy, you didn't know how far to go. No worries. Um, so the EEOC says, yes, you can mandate vaccinations. Um, however, if an employee is unable to have a vaccination because of a health condition that may be a disability, you have a duty to accommodate that. If an employee has a sincerely held religious belief that causes them to refuse vaccination, you have to accommodate that. Um, I also uh, can encourage you to accommodate um, pregnant employees. The law is a little bit in flux as to whether the Pregnancy Discrimination Act is anti-discrimination only or if it requires accommodation. And the Supreme Court ruled a few years ago in a way that, that makes the practical um, answer to that. If you can accommodate a pregnant employee, you probably should go ahead and do that to minimize your legal risk. So the way we think about um, this accommodation, you know, wh when do we get to say no? When do we get to say, well, if you won't be vaccinated, you know, there's going to be an employment-related con consequence here, um, and that is, um, you have to think about things like, is there a way that we could, you know, does having unvaccinated employees in the workplace pose a direct threat to the health and safety of employees. Um, and unless we can say yes to that, or um, that there's no way we could reduce that risk, 
we need to consider allowing the employee to um, not comply with the mandatory vaccination requirement. And so potential accommodations might include looking at alternate workspaces. I mean, if there's an employee who can't get vaccinated for a health reason, is there a place that person could work that doesn't put them in contact with other employees? Is there an alternate schedule? You know, having someone who needs to be in the office to do a task, maybe come in in the evening when the other employees are not present. Um, is there an alternate vacant position that the employee could be moved to? And there's a split in the circuit courts about whether the uh, disabled employee needing an accommodation gets to be given that vacant position over others who might be more qualified, or if they're just they're in line to be evaluated for the potential position based on qualification. Um, again, to the the safest course is, you know, if there's a vacant position for which this employee is qualified that doesn't implicate any risk regarding them being unvaccinated, um, you should probably consider giving it to them. And again, considering that how work from home has generally speaking for you know most of the jobs that we're talking about here been successful, is that to continue to allow that um, could be a, a reasonable accommodation. And finally, if you have 50 employees um, and you know within 75 miles and you're covered by the Family and Medical Leave Act, if an employee for a health-related reason can't be vaccinated and your position is they can't do their job and there's no accommodation possible that would allow that, that very well may be a circumstance entitling them to FMLA leave. Marit, next slide, please. I, we do have one question here. Sure. And how, how do you determine religious reasons? Um, yeah, that's... Um, I have no really good answer to that, except that the EEOC says, you know, basically you take employees at their word, um, unless, of course, you have some, you know, reason to believe that it's um, um, not true. But again, how do you how do you prove that? So you're a little bit at the mercy of what employees um, it's because it's not limited to, you know, the major, you know, religions, um, world religions. It's you know any sincerely held religious belief. I don't think at this point that that you know the anti-vax movement, which is more of a political motive, more motivated by political ideology than religion, I don't think that would qualify. Um, so you know it has to be related to some belief about you know of a religious nature. Not, not an earthly, you know, political nature. Well, let's let's think about some other laws um, that may conflict with the ADA and Title VII that I've just discussed. As many of you may know, the vaccines have been um, approved by the FDA under um, for emergency use authorization, as opposed to full-blown FDA approval. Does that change anything? Um, and we've seen um, at least one lawsuit 
that says, you know, even though generally speaking, the EEOC has said you can mandate vaccinations, and the EEOC has said this with respect to um, the COVID vaccine specifically, but there's been one lawsuit so far that says challenging that um, advice or that position by EEOC, um, given that, that the vaccine is not fully approved. The other law um, that I mentioned at the outside, the good old fashioned National Labor Relations Act, you know, passed um, in the 30s. Um, this applies regardless of whether there is a union or not. Employees have the right to band together um, to seek, uh, you know, uh, work related conditions, improvements in their work related conditions. So if you have a group of anti-vaccine employees that get together and say, you know, we understand, employer, that you have mandated a vaccine, but we don't agree with that, and we're not going to comply with that. We are going to go on strike. Um, that very well may be protected activity under Section 7, meaning you can't discipline them. You can't fire them. You can, however, uh, permanently replace them. So that's that. to get into all of that would take a little bit more time than I have. Um, so let's turn now to Governor Abbott's executive order that just came out the other day. Um, the, and this is an issue that came up with one of my government clients about, you know, can we require people to be, to show us vaccine proof in order to come on the premises? And at first I was thinking, you know, uh, uh, gosh, you know, the government requiring that you have a vaccine to come on site, you know, well, the government does that all the time in public schools, you know, subject to, again, accommodations for um, religion and disability. Um, but Governor Abbott has, has uh, the executive order is kind of premised on the fact that the COVID vaccines are only approved under the EUA provisions. And so this executive order only applies to COVID vaccines, doesn't change anything with respect to, you know, other types of vaccines. Um, and he also couches this executive order on a concept that vaccine status is a private medical information, which is contrary to the stance that the EEOC has taken, that it's, it's not a medical exam that's covered, and it's not a medical inquiry that would be prohibited. Um, and what the executive order says is that state agencies and public subdivisions, as well as private recipients of state funds, are limited in their ability to condition services or entry. And it's a little bit different depending on whether you're a state agency or political subdivision. In that case, you can't require anyone, whether it's an employee or a citizen um, or some type of consumer, you can't forbid them from coming on site or condition receipt of any service on proof of vaccination. With respect to private recipients of state funds, the prohibition is limited to consumers. So that leads me to think that private employers, even if they receive state money, can continue to um, require that their employees, as opposed to their customers, show proof of vaccination in order to, you know, enter the premises. 
Um, I've seen we've seen at least one um, one reversal of a vaccine mandate. I saw in the paper the other day, um, St. Edward's University here in Austin had announced that students and teachers and third parties would require proof of vaccination to be present on campus in the fall. And they have rescinded that in light of the executive order. Next slide, please. So general do's and don'ts. Um, my advice is given all the thorny uh, legal issues and thorny political issues, um, you might wanna consider as an employer encouraging as opposed to mandating. Um, one caveat there is if you are big enough, you know, 15 employees to be covered by the ADA, you wanna be a little cautious about the incentives if you provide, you know, and again, I haven't seen employers doing this, but if you provide uh, substantial financial incentives, you could run afoul of some of the ADA rules. Um, but, you know, things like, you know, a gift card or something like that, I think are not um, problematic. If you mandate vaccinations, I think you're probably required to pay your non-exempt employees for the time that they take out of their day to go get that vaccine. Um, well, what about if they are sick following, I've heard some people have a, after the second dose, you know, have a pretty, you know, a sick day, you know, they're kind of knocked out, fatigued, not really able to work. Um, I don't think that that is required under the Fair Labor Standards Act, but I think as a employee relations, you know, perspective, you probably should allow employees to use their paid time off. Um, another issue that if you mandate, well, what if there's an extreme reaction, you know, and the employee has anaphylactic shock and, you know, needs medical treatment? Is there, is, does workers comp um, cover that? Again, some unanswered questions. Um, and it is, again, I mentioned earlier that the EEOC has taken the position that vaccine status is not protected medical information and um, getting a vaccine is not a protected medical exam. So per those laws, it's fine for employers to ask their employees if they're vaccinated or not. I have a little bit of heartburn about that because of of Governor Abbott's executive order that says as a matter of Texas law, Vaccine, vaccine status is private medical information. I don't know that what consequence there is um, there. I don't know that there, for example, if you were to ask employee impermissible medical information under the ADA, you could be sued for that. I don't know that there is a remedy um, for asking an employee about their private medical information, i.e vaccine status, I don't think they could sue you under the executive order. I don't know that there's any any real remedy there, um, but still it gives me heartburn to, you know, have employers ask employees something that the governor has said is private health information. Um, if you are asking for information or if you're allowing employees to volunteer their vaccine status, um, I wouldn't ask any follow-up questions. Um, for example, if an employee says, I'm not going to get the vaccine, um, other than um, asking if 
it is, if you're not mandating, I think I'd leave it at that. If you are mandating, I think the only follow-up question is, is your reason for not getting vaccinated related to a health condition? Don't tell me what it is right now, or a sincerely held religious belief. But if you ask an open-ended, why not? The EEOC says that could call for disability-related information, and that would be a, an impermissible medical inquiry. So it gets a little bit tricky. Um, again, given the contrast between Governor Abbott's executive order and the EEOC's advice that it's not confidential, I recommend best practice is to keep vaccine status information confidential, just like you would a medical record subject to ADA requirements. Um, if your customers are, requ are requiring information about whether employees with whom they need to interact are vaccinated or not, um, I would consider the possibility of providing that information on an aggregated basis, something like, well, you know, 85% of our employees have been vaccinated or some other non-personally identifiable basis. And that brings me to the fine print, which is, you know, I can't be giving you specific legal advice here, but if you have questions, I'm more than happy to, to address them in a general way. Great. Thank you very much, Ann. Always makes my head hurt just a little bit when I hear you talk. <laughs> and think, what have I done wrong? <laughs> Um, we did get a question literally that just asked if this, this would be available on demand later, and yes, it will. So if you want to make sure that somebody listens to it, we'll have that available to you later on. So, And I've got my, um, my email address is on the slide, too, if people have follow-up questions. Great. Good. Thank you, Ann. Um, great takeaways today, and I think sort of the theme I hear is, you know, be, be conscientious, empathy, kindness individualization, privacy are all key things. And, and I think it's all about attitude and, and uh, paying attention to our employees. So with that, I will remind everyone that we have a member forum that you can use now with our new website. So we hope you'll share ideas and get advice through that. And of course, we always are talking about impact right now. So this is our state pack that we use for um, making sure that we are getting the right type of influence in the um, legislature. So I hope you'll join us in participating in that each year. And we will be having a, a conference in June, which is very exciting. It's gonna be at the Kalahari Resort in Round Rock. So watch for news about that. We're gonna, um, the theme will be, it's a family reunion. Josh, what do you think about that? Well, I tell you what, I'm I'm excited about it. I, I I miss so much being able to be on site with everyone last year, so I can't wait to go. When your kids see that water park, they won't know what happened to them. Is what I'm just gonna I, say to you. I'll tell you that they they have seen some pictures online and they are pumped. <laughs> good, good. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights and. We will make sure that um, slides are available for folks and you can go back and listen to this. And our next Mornings with Marit in May will be about the anatomy of a successful website. So we're gonna actually have our website developers join us and talk about what you should be doing with your website to make it better in the way that you communicate and share your brand. 
So with that, I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you both very, very much for your insights. And we'll see you on the flip side, I guess. Thanks, everyone.